As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Welcome to the Blackhawks Talk Podcast with James Nouveau, Charlie Romeliotis. I am Pat Boyle. A lot to get into regarding 19 and 88. So let's start with the news from yesterday, Charlie, that uh, Jonathan Taves basically stepping away right now. Uh, he was trying to work out off ice, wasn't seeing the results he expected. He's been dealing with long COVID and uh, the syndrome that he dealt with a couple years ago when he missed the entire season. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad that we got some clarity on the situation because it was... It got to a point where it was like, what's going on here, right? Obviously, before the bye week, he had missed that the second to last game with the illness. And then the game that he did play right before the bye week, it was he only played 15 minutes of ice time. And you figured, OK, he obviously just wasn't feeling up for playing the amount of minutes that he is normally capable of playing. And then we come out of the other end of the, the break and he's still out with a, with an illness. He's not practicing. He doesn't travel on the road trip. And and so the fact that the Blackhawks kind of came out and said, or, or Taze, for that matter, came out and said what he's been dealing with, I think two things go through your mind. One, uh, you hope, first and foremost, that he is at a place mentally and physically that he will be able to return at some point this season, right? And, and then it's hard not to let your mind wander, though, and wonder if this is going to be the last year for, for John and the Taves, um, which is kind of weird to think about. Um, but then on the flip side, too, you wonder about the trade deadline ramifications. And it's like, OK, Taves is going to be here beyond the March 3rd trade deadline and how that changes things for the Blackhawks. Maybe not from what they might get in return for Chicago, but the the moves that it could allow them to make where they can now retain another salary. And that's not Taves and have a third party broker or whatever. So it's two separate ends of the spectrum. But first and foremost, you you hope that Taves is OK and will get to a level again that he feels he can he can play at um, or I guess should, should just should say play in general. Yeah, and I think that the key the two key things that I were was kind of thinking of yesterday was one this isn't our first dance with kind of health uncertainty and us not being really sure what a particular Blackhawk is going through. And I think that the speculation surrounding those things always ends up becoming a distraction and a massive story. And I applaud both the Blackhawks and specifically uh, Johnny for coming forward and kind of talking about what he's been dealing with. I think that, you know, that, like I said, that speculation just always ramps up around these things. It's good to have some clarity on it. And then just to kind of echo what you said, Charlie, I really just hope that, you know, uh, Taves can kind of, you know, get healthy, get back to a place where he feels like he can play hockey. Because I think that throughout this entire process, he's talked about uh, wanting to continue his career, whether it's with the Blackhawks or elsewhere. And I feel like if that's what's going to, you know, fulfill him and make him happy, then I'm hoping that he can be healthy enough to do that. And I think that this is an important step is kind of, you know, recovering from this and dealing with the uh, ailments that he's dealing with. And, 
yeah, I just I'm glad we have some clarity on the situation and uh, hopefully number 19 can uh, get healthy and play again this season for the Hawks. So the fans can kind of show him the love and the adulation that he's certainly going to be deserving of as he comes up to the end of that contract that he's on. In uh, the statement that Taves released on Sunday, it said, I'm still dealing with symptoms of long COVID and chronic immune response syndrome. It's been really challenging to play through these symptoms. In the last few weeks, it's reached the point where I had no choice but to step back and concentrate on getting healthy. I'm thankful for the patience and support of my teammates, the coaching staff, and the entire Blackhawks organization. And, you know, but Charlie, when we were at practice on Monday, uh, you know, fans, because it was a President's Day, there were a lot of kids that were there because of no school, uh, a lot of parents uh, there as well. And uh, I think the fans were on hand to see, you know, maybe Patrick's, you know, last practice uh, with the Blackhawks, but also hoping to get a glimpse of Taves. And, and we saw one fan who was like, you know, I don't know if we're ever going to see him again. And I, I think the intent, the hope is, at least from the Blackhawks perspective, is that at some point he will return, uh, probably not before the trade deadline, but sometime in the month of March and get a few games under his belt. But like you said, the focus right now is figuring out what is going on with his body and uh, what they can do to to get him feeling better uh, because this is something he's been dealing with. And naturally, yeah, you know, you begin to uh, look at this and, and, and see how it might impact the future. And, you know, obviously, if you don't have clarity on someone's health, it's pretty hard to talk about, you know, professional sports when when the health is 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 a big question mark. Yeah, and I think the timing of a is appropriate too to kind of get out in front of this because these next whatever week and a half going into the the March 3rd trade deadline is going to be so chaotic in Chicago with the Patrick Kane rumors and just some of the other guys on this roster. The, the fact that Taves has come out and and basically released this statement and you know that he's not uh, essentially Kyle Davidson also confirmed that he won't be traded ahead of the March 3rd trade deadline. It makes it makes it one less thing to kind of ask or pepper questions with to, to the Blackhawks, whether it's Luke Richardson, the players, the management, at least, you know, everyone can kind of put that set aside that storyline and kind of uh, shift the focus elsewhere. So it, it, it was, it was, I won't say good timing, but it was, the, the, it was appropriate that the Blackhawks did get out and out in front of this so that there weren't some additional questions swirling, leading up to that deadline. I did also appreciate how, how much Kyle Davidson emphasized that that was like a secondary concern, like of the trade deadline. And the main focus was just getting, you know, uh, Taves back on the ice and getting him back healthy. I thought that he struck uh, the right tone in that press conference. When you guys talked to him yesterday, I thought that that was a really important thing to kind of keep in mind moving forward, that ultimately it is about his health and not about, you know, the future of the organization at this point. I thought that it was, uh, like I said, a good good tenor to that conversation, and it was cognizant of kind of all the complicated variables that are at play here. Yeah, I think we mentioned last week that just the likelihood of, of Taves being dealt uh, seemed uh, like zero because there wasn't going to be a market for him because of the uncertainty of his health. And so it made sense that, you know, they kind of squashed uh, any – uh, idea that you know he could possibly be moved here of course he's not going to be moved when there's uncertainty about his health uh, so 
you know, Jonathan Taves uh, will we'll wait to see, you know, the next step he takes in returning to the facility. If he's able to resume off ice workouts, when he'll be back on the ice, all these things are to be determined and uh, will be at, at Johnny's pace uh, when he feels and deems it's uh, he's ready to, to deal with it. Uh, one thing before we get to Patrick Kane, big news. NBC Chicago has local news streaming around the clock, literally 24 seven. That means you can watch or listen to Chicago news on your schedule when it's convenient for you. The channel is called NBC Chicago News. You can find it on Peacock, Samsung, Roku, and Zumo. And now you can get it in one click on NBC Chicago's website and app. Just click on 24-7 streaming news at the top of NBCChicago.com or the NBC Chicago app. Think of it as your last chance to catch up with Chicago's best local news during whatever time of the day works best for you. Patrick Kane with an epic night on Sunday. Four points. The natural hat trick. Charlie, did he need to have a performance, a, a statement game like that to squelch some of the talk about his hip and to get the uh, the interest in uh, Patrick Kane being acquired at the trade deadline to, for that to get ramped up? After the game, I did wonder how many teams that did pass on him, whether it was the Rangers or we don't even know how serious things got with Toronto behind the scenes. If they, if there are, or just in general, teams that are interested in him, but maybe kind of backed off the legitimacy of, or the, uh, the degree of interest in Kane and are wondering, Oh, maybe we actually have to circle back on this guy because if that was a playoff series, this wasn't Anaheim or Arizona or Columbus that he beat on. This was a Toronto Maple Leafs team that they were obviously playing the second of a back-to-back, but they are loaded with firepower. I mean, Kane took that game over by himself. And if you're looking at that in a, in a playoff series, that that he, he could have turned the entire series with a performance like that. Um, now, obviously, the attention to detail would have been much greater. And maybe Toronto went into the game feeling like they could play maybe 75% based on how much they steamrolled Chicago in Toronto on Wednesday. But I think it was sort of a statement game for, for Patrick Kane for, for two reasons. One, Hey everybody, I'm i uh, I'm just fine feeling just fine. Right. But also he probably realizes that this is the end of the road um, with, with his time in Chicago. And he wanted to kind of put on sort of a show for the Chicago fan base, which was by the, it was the second highest crowd of the season only to Marion host night. So, you know, it, it was, a, it was a, it was an awesome crowd. And just the fact that Kane, uh, I'm sure it meant a lot to him to kind of put a performance like that for the Chicago faithful, but also maybe to, to say, send a message to teams like, Hey, I'm, I'm feeling just fine. And if you want, I'll be interested if, you know, if I, if, if he's on your list. <laughs> I, I know we talked a lot. You, you guys have both mentioned that this was kind of vintage Patrick Kane. I think that the one thing this performance definitely kind of evoked was the fact that once he gets one, that dude can score a bunch in a hurry, right? Like he has always been that type of player that if he goes through any period of struggle, if he gets one good assist, one goal, it's just game on for him. And I felt like that was 
just it was so cool to see that come to fruition yet again after all these years the guy still has what it takes to do those kinds of things just watching that game was everything good about what Patrick Kane is as a hockey player and I think that whether he was trying to put on a show for the fans trying to put on a show for other teams that are potentially looking to acquire him you know whatever the motivation was it was great to just see number 88 playing the way that we know that he's capable of playing and I felt like it was just a really fun night at the United Center, Charlie. I know I've talked to you uh, via text message at various times that I just want the team to be competitive, maybe not necessarily, you know, win games. It's bad for the tank. We've been talking about tankathon a whole heck of a lot lately, but just seeing uh, Patrick Kane playing that way again, man, there's just something so special about that. And yeah, if, the, if it's one of the last times that he does that in a Blackhawks uniform, it was just great to see him once again fulfilling those expectations that we all have of him when he's been going through a period of struggles that'll come out on the other side and just blitzkrieg a team like that. I noticed, James, that uh, talking about Kane's epic night brought your cat into the, uh, <laughs> into the picture. She she has this thing where if she if there's no noise in the house, she'll go off into a corner and do her own thing. And then if she hears any talking at all, she's like, well, it's time to make my appearance and, you know, put on a show for the cameras. I have a prima donna for a cat. It's so crazy. The tail just crept into the picture while you were talking. I thought it was like a boom mic. It was. It it's was, funny. <laughs> She was trying so hard. She was like, I want to come say hi to Pat and Charlie. And I'm just like, no, 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 no. This is our show, lady. Get lost. <laughs> well, back to Patrick's big night. Uh, I thought it was fitting, Charlie, that there were 21,000 on hand. And and we were talking about it today at Fifth Third Arena, like why all these people are packing the house. And, and there probably are a lot of different reasons. Some of it is the fact that th there weren't many uh, home games in the month of, of February. Uh, that they're falling on some Friday nights. And last night, I mean, perfect five o'clock start on a Sunday with most people off on Monday. But there's a lot of, you you mentioned it, there's a lot of signs that are like, this is my first Blackhawks game. And this is my first this and that. And, you know, I, I don't think it's a bunch of people that are just coming out in hopes of catching one of Patrick Kane's final performances. I think it's, 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 fans that are finally able to th that this ticket fits into their budget and then they're able to you know go observe this and take part in this entertainment maybe something they've wanted to do for years but because of the 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 price point and the difficulty to get tickets uh they weren't able to now because where the team is at where the price point is at they're able to come to the united center yeah, and, it, and it's also maybe more affordable for, for families, too, that have a bunch of young kids where maybe it's not just, you know, a, a dad and a son going to a game or a mom and a daughter. It's, hey, let's take the whole family and come because, you know, these tickets are affordable. And by the way, I checked the, the secondary market for the game on Sunday. It, it, the prices were still really high. So the really? Fact that the, yeah, the, the Blackhawks, the fact that the, there was it was a packed house for that game, even though it was one of the marquee games on the schedule this year i thought was was definitely noteworthy so it, it's been great um and i i do agree pat like I, I think a lot of the the fans that are now or what the blackhawks have built over these last de this last decade and a half i, I feel like the the fact that now uh new fans can kind of get into the building and experience what it's like to to you know it, it's not just a hockey game it's also you're going for the experience right so i think 
a lot of fans are kind of kind of leaving those games feeling like they they got their money's worth and it's been uh, an enjoyable experience. I do think James. it also shows the allure of star power, just to point out that, you know, future Blackhawk Austin Matthews was in the house last <laughs> night. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And and uh, Charlie and I were talking to John Steinmiller, the czar of media relations for the Blackhawks. And, you know, he was bringing up the point that there's such new fans that some of them don't know to applaud during the national anthem when Jim Cornelison is, is singing. So, like, things that you took for granted you're like well everybody <laughs> has to get to their seat because they want to see the anthem and they want to have the hair on the back of their neck stand up as as they applaud and you, lo and behold you know it what what's second nature to a lot of us is these folks are they're coming there for the first time and they're looking around going what's what's everybody doing <laughs> so we may need to yeah. they may need to be retaught this or we have some refresher courses so to speak we can always work on an episode of the podcast that's just like a newbie's introduction to the United Center if you guys want to. I feel like there are a lot of kind of 07, 08 vibes with the team. Like, yeah, we don't have, you know, Kane and Taves both making their debuts, but it is still that vibe of newer fans being in the building and kind of needing to be kind of shown the ropes a little bit. I think that, you know, we all talk about wanting hockey to grow in popularity and to introduce more people to the game. Maybe that starts with us, boys. Maybe we have to do that uh, new fans guide to the United Center. I'd be willing to do something like that. Sounds like a great idea. Uh, once we get past Kane, uh, <laughs> uh, Taves, trade deadline, uh, the reshaping of the team, the ping pong balls, we will have plenty. Hey, hey, hey. I'll tell you. It'll be nice to get past you know the trade deadline then because at least then it's not just going to be, oh, we're going to spend 20 minutes talking about Kane and Taves getting traded anymore. That will be nice. Well, I, it, it will be, but it's, it's also going to, you know, it's going to be sad as well. Um, mm -hmm. I, I, we have been talking about this because of our jobs for the better part of, you know, six to eight months uh, now. So I, I think some finality is, is uh, welcomed, mm -hmm. but, you know, you can't help. But, but like looking at Patrick and I, I just said to him today, I said, man, what a special night that was last night. And for his for his son to be there and i said pk3 got a lot of uh, airtime on espn and he said oh yeah and he's probably staring up not looking at the ice and looking around <laughs> I'm like yeah like most two and a half year olds are doing <laughs> that's what they do but yeah. uh all right so let's talk about you know what what the next steps are uh for patrick i charlie i i i agree with you i i think in his mind, Patrick has made up the decision that he is willing to go play for another team. I think he's come up. I think he's he's dealt with those thoughts and he's weighed all his options. And now it's just trying to finalize to give Kyle Davidson the team or two that he wants them to really negotiate with and get a deal done or just one that he really wants. Right. Um, is, is that kind of because even you heard Patrick say last night uh, we've had, this has been going on for a few weeks now. It's not like Kyle has not had conversations with other teams about a possible landing spot. It just hasn't been acutely focused to one particular team. I think it's been more uh, fact finding missions for, for Kyle and, and waiting for Kane to say team a is this one. 
Right. We're really late in the game for, for Patrick to still be wrestling with whether or not he wants to get traded. Right. I do think my read on the situation is internally, he's made up his mind that he is going to leave the Chicago Blackhawks. And he really is just trying to narrow down what teams do I want to make it two? Do I want to make it one? If I want to make it three, which third team is it? Right. So I, I think that's where he might just be doing some internal tug of war. And the fact that the, the Vladimir Tarasenko trade happened a couple of weeks ago, probably had to reset things in his mind. Right. So now if his list with the Rangers included was going to be three or two, is that list, does that list now get longer because, or is he saying, Hey, or, or is he thinking in his mind, it's only going to be the, this one or one or two teams. And if it's not these two teams, you know, is there what, what third team could I throw in there? Right. So I think that's maybe what's going on behind the scenes because, you know, like you said, Pat, like Patrick Kane basically said, he's been ramping up these conversations with Pat Prasan for the, a while now. Right. So it, we are in crunch time. Uh, when we say soon, uh, it is soon <laughs> finally. Um, so I just, it's just going to be interesting to see how this unfolds. And it, it's weird too, because Tuesday night is, uh, the, the Blackhawks host Vegas, and that's their last game until March 2nd uh, at home, right? And that's the March 2nd game is literally the day before the trade deadline. So the Blackhawks are hitting the road for four more games. And Luke Richardson was even talking about it today where, um, you know, guys are just joking around. Guys might be packing larger suitcases for this trip because they don't know if they might get traded on this trip, right? Mm -hmm. So th it's going to be an interesting week. Uh, fortunately, I'll be on this road trip, so I can kind of uh, read some of the tea leaves and and whatnot. But it's it's going to be a fascinating uh, next next uh, week or, or ten days. First of all, I don't think the NHL should play games on trade deadline day. I've always thought that's really stupid. It's always bad totally to have players, you know, potentially get moved and then be unavailable to their teams that day. It seems like a silly exercise. So Gary Bettman, if you listen to this podcast, and I'd imagine you do based on how uh, brilliant at least Pat and Charlie are, I think that <laughs> you need to change that. The other thing that I do want to mention is just it's kind of odd to me with the number of hockey insiders. We talked a lot on the last episode about how crazy it is that guys like Elliot Friedman and Jeff Merrick are always have like, you know, three phones going up to their ears in rapid succession. Are you guys surprised that if Patrick Kane is leaning towards leaving, which I agree with you guys that I think he is, are you surprised that we haven't heard any sort of leaked information about what teams he would consider going to? Um, no, not really. Um, I, I think maybe it's a respect factor for, for Patrick Kane's sake too, but I also don't know. I, I think Pat Brisson and Patrick Kane, they're all, they're also being very protective over um, knowing that the, the second this gets out, it, it kind of derails how Patrick might want to go about this with the city of Chicago with Blackhawks fans and just with his new team. But I also don't know if any of the teams that they've thrown around are concrete, right? Like he mm -hmm. might be wrestling with, Dallas or he might be wrestling with Edmonton but it's not something that it's it's he's made a definitive call on what the list is and so it would be irresponsible maybe to kind of leak some of the teams that he is he has been toying around with not knowing that if it's going to be on his official list when he does submit that list to, to the Blackhawks yeah I think I think, go ahead, go, no, Sorry. Go ahead James. 
All, all I was going to say is that I thought that that made a lot of sense. And I just, with the deadline coming up so quickly, I was a little bit surprised that we don't have a little bit more concrete information yet. But Charlie's point about, you know, not wanting to kind of hijack the process and wanting it to play out in a way that, you know, Kane and Brisson are both comfortable with and the organization is comfortable with. I think those points were really well taken. Sorry, Pat, go ahead. No, I, I, th- I think that the um, we've been hearing from the teams that might be interested in Kane. I think Kane has always handled his affairs pretty tight-lipped and behind the scenes. Papperson is is not a you know an Alan Walsh type that you know <laughs> likes to get out there and uh, and um, create havoc for his clients. Uh, Pat's uh, you know very very uh, astute and uh, you know has only a certain small handful of members of the media who he talks to and and they get some information uh, from uh, Pat uh, on a rare occasion. I think most of that is, is kept in-house. I also think this has been a unique trade deadline where we've seen, especially the forward market, with Bull Horvat going, with Ryan O'Reilly going, uh, with uh, Vlad Tarasenko going, suitors that uh, would have been in, in the – Kane sweepstakes have already kind of exited stage right on uh, on over the last few weeks because they have struck early deals. So, you know, mm-hmm. some of the suitors, obviously the Rangers, I, I think if let, let's say the Vlad Tarasenko deal had not been done uh, a, a week plus ago. I, I do think we would be hearing rumors, you know, uh, more rumors about Kane going to the Rangers and so and somehow you know, more questions. Do you think about teaming up with Artemi Panera again? All those types of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that those were kind of squashed early because of the activity in the trade market uh, that happened and significant moves. Let's be honest. I mean, other than Timo Meyer, you know, Patrick becomes, you know, probably right now the second uh, biggest forward uh, in trade talks. Yeah, I was I was talking to a, a somebody, a member of a playoff contender uh, at the game last night, and they basically said that the market is so crazy right now that everyone wants to make a move, but the prices are 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 outrageously big because not a lot of teams have cap space. So if you want to swing a deal, you have to take on contract or a contract or two in return to make the deal work, but also pay the price of taking that contract. On in in return, right? So, for example, Jacob Chikrin, like Arizona's asking price from from day one has been, we want two first rounders and we want a a high level prospect. And it's been reported that teams are willing to step up and give a first rounder and a high prospect, but they're not willing to give up that second first rounder, right? So, teams don't want to pay that price. So then, what's their next best option? Uh, Gavrikov from Columbus, right? Well, the, the price for Gavrikov is really high. The problem is he's a rental. So our teams do teams want to give up that high price for a rental? You know, then it's like, okay, well, what's the next part? And, and so it, it's almost like everyone is scared to make a deal because they don't want to give up the price to go get that player. At the same time, if that's what the market dictates, you, you got to go get your guy and you just got to suck it up, right? So I think that's why we see a lot of teams like New York Rangers and the St. Louis Blues, they're, they're trying to get out ahead of it because everyone, they, they Toronto specifically too, like they didn't want to, they didn't want to not have a seat at the table um, come trade deadline where all these guys aren't available and now we're paying astronomical prices for a guy that 
we could have gotten maybe for Ryan O'Reilly in a similar package, right? Mm. So it's just the market is crazy, and it really the, the salary cap is dictating a ton of this. It's working as designed. Then I, I wonder if we're going to get past the trade the trade deadline and look at teams like St. Louis and kind of applaud them for jumping the market a little bit and kind of being willing to willing to maybe perhaps take a slight bit less for those players just to ensure that you know the distraction is gone, the deals get done, they get good assets. And then I also wonder if we're going to see more situations like we did with that O'Reilly trade where the Minnesota Wild took on, I believe, a little bit of salary and ended up getting, I think, a fourth-round pick out of the mix. When With that being a three-team deal, I could see the Blackhawks potentially having to involve a third team on the Patrick Kane front. And when you guys are talking about players like Chikrin and the asking prices for those guys, it just makes me wonder, you know, it, how much interest is a guy like Jake McCabe getting at this point where his contract is reasonable, the Blackhawks may be willing to eat some of it. Like, I feel like that's seeming more and more like a move that might end up getting done just because teams are kind of balking a little bit at the price of a Chikrin. And I'm curious to see just how many Blackhawks players end up getting traded because of how crazy that market is. And maybe they're looked at as a little bit more of a value-based deal. If I, if I had to say there are three players that they're going to absorb the money uh, for possibly moving them, Kane, obviously, you take Taves off the table. Uh, I think they would consider eating 50% or a portion of, of McCabe, depending on the on the on what was coming back. Who might be uh, player number three, guys, that, that Domi are considering? Yeah, I would say Domi would probably require some uh, salary retention, at least just a little bit. Yeah, it, especially if you're, if you're trying to enhance uh, the, the package. Like Max Domi it, himself would be able to... F- not fetch anything significant, but he's the guy that's the, the points leader for Chicago. So he's the guy that's got the, the highest production and whatever. Obviously, we know about his face-off numbers too. I think that's the third guy. And and that's what I guess I was getting at earlier too. Like the, the fact that the Blackhawks aren't going to trade Jonathan Taves, it opens up a possibility for the Blackhawks to do this too. So I wonder I wonder if the Blackhawks are able to get a little bit of a nicer package for Domi because they'll they'll be able to eat some salary. Hmm. I was thinking Dallas looks like a good landing spot for Patrick Kane. Uh, I do look and see that they don't have a first-round pick this year. So if if Kyle Davidson is is steadfast of, about receiving a first-round pick this year, you know the the Dallas Stars don't have it. They only have a second-round pick and they don't have a third. Uh, they still have their first-round picks for the next two years. So how much? How, uh, what kind of priority do you think it is for Kyle to get draft equity for this upcoming draft versus future drafts? I think it would be a high priority to try to get a draft pick in this year's Mm -hmm. draft, not just because of the strength of the draft class. I mean, that's definitely part of it, but also because the, the quicker they can get a player into their system, the quicker they can start developing that player. Whereas if they get a 2024 first round pick, I mean, now you're not able to develop that player for, for two more years. And then it delays their NHL, uh, their timeline to the NHL. And so I, I definitely think it would be a priority. And maybe if that's the case, if, rather than getting a 2024 first round pick, maybe that's where you'd rather get one of the team's top prospects instead. Right. As opposed to, you know, so maybe you just make it prospect based as opposed to draft pick based. 
That was exactly what I was thinking. I feel like this screams if a team really does not want to give up a first round pick this year, you're going to have to give up a higher end prospect than a guy that is already in that developmental pipeline. Because I feel like if you're willing to take on 2024 first round picks or even, you know, a little bit later of picks in that draft, you're talking about a window opening later on because you don't have the talent that's going to be ready to fill those gaps. And so I think that if the Blackhawks are serious about getting this contention window open and say the next three years, you got to get the assets now. And I do feel like that opens the door wide for getting a prospect like that. If teams are going to be insistent on protecting their first round picks this time around. You could win big with NBC Sports Chicago and Coors Light. Just enter the scratch and score sweepstakes for your chance to win two sweet tickets to a hockey game this season and more. Enter at NBCSportsChicago.com slash sweepstakes. Well, the Hawks win against Ottawa, come from behind and uh, take care of business there. And then they win against the Toronto Maple Leafs. So... Give us the latest on uh, they're now what third in the, in the tankathon sweepstakes. Uh, I think so. Hang on, let me go check the final score of oh. the Ducks and Florida Panthers game, and it was a Panthers victory in overtime. So mm. the the uh, Anaheim Ducks picked up a point. Well, that's good. So I'm looking here. Um, well, so- did you guys see what happened to the Coyotes yesterday? They were uh, down five one after the first period, and they came back and forced the game to a shootout. So they got a point too. Wow. And it was against Columbus, too. So that's a that's a big win for the Hawks. All right. So there are three teams right now in the dead last. They're all 41 points. Chicago, Columbus, Anaheim. The problem is Chicago has two games in hand on Columbus and Anaheim, who both have 57 points. So right now it's a tie for the first overall pick odds with uh, Anaheim and Columbus. They both have the same amount of points, same points percentage. Chicago is third right now in the tankathon race. So that's, uh, but at the same time, the Blackhawks roster is going to look a lot different in a couple, in a, in a, in a week or two. So as we, the we... hats were fluttering to the ice last night, I texted you guys that Patrick <laughs> Kane apparently is not aware that the tank is on and he's ruining everything. <laughs> no, he's, he's, he's increasing his trade value. Uh, hey, <laughs> uh, um, we will have an Alex Stalock sighting probably on this road trip. That was good to see. Talk to him on, Monday and uh, boy, uh, you know, some of the injuries, the Tenority stuff and the stuff that uh, Staylock has gone through this year are some, uh, you know, I, we keep looking it up, Charlie. I was uh, orbital. What was it? What's his uh, an ocular ocular or, or yeah, I had I to do with the muscle behind on it around his neck area that was ca- causing vision problems hmm. and tracking pucks. I didn't realize we were going to have to have medical degrees to do a hockey podcast, gentlemen. Ocular dysfunction is the term. That's it. So, I mean, it was funny because Stalak was like, yeah, it was a bit of a relief when I found out that it wasn't a concussion, which is great. But then you read ocular dysfunction and you're yeah, like, is that any better? better. I mean, what's going on there? <laughs> so, you seemed relieved. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then That's how about this ja- James Jackson Stauber? I mean... This guy's got four wins in five starts, and poor Peter Morazic has five <laughs> victories, and he's been, you know, seeing a bulk of the vulcanized rubber. What, what do you make of, of Jackson Stauber? 
Well, first of all, that's kind of what Peter Morazic was kind of enlisted to do was to take on the brunt of a porous defense. And I think that he has fulfilled his responsibilities very well. I know that I've kind of been on the camp of be cautious with Stauber just because I know that the tendency is to kind of get wrapped up in the history making aspects of these things. But as time has moved along, you, you have to admit he plays with a good amount of poise. And I think that he plays with perhaps a little bit more precision than I thought that a young goalie would at this point in his career. I, I know the Blackhawks kind of have this history of developing like serviceable to good goaltenders within their system and then bringing them along. And it kind of surprises everybody. You're thinking of the Lankinens and the Rantas and the Darlings and guys like that. It, it, I was not foreseeing this happening. I think that once again, it's a testament to how well the Blackhawks identify and sign prospect goaltenders. And yeah, the more that I see him play, the more impressed that I am. And I know I'm still going to be real cautious about it and say that I think like the Soderblooms and the Comessos of the world are the guys that I'm ultimately most interested in with the Blackhawks. But you got to admit, Stauber has looked really awesome and it's it's been fun watching him play. Yeah, and I think the Toronto game specifically, you look at, I mean, th- they have some some serious firepower on that club. So you knew it wasn't going to be an easy test for him. So the fact that he came out with a win and, and made some some really high quality saves in that win uh, was encouraging. So yeah, it, it is funny. James, I agree with you. Obviously, Soderblom and and Drew Camesso, they're they're definitely higher on the depth chart. I don't think this has changed anything in in where Stauber slots in, but I do think it's encouraging. I think you want to, as an organization, you want to collect as many goaltenders as possible because you never know which ones are going to hit. Like they're so they're so free, uh, fluky, like not fluky, but there's a hit reason. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's just hit or miss, and there's a reason why they get drafted in the in the mid to later rounds not in first rounds because it's so hard to just find a slam dunk um like we've seen in in years past like Mark Andre Fleury I think he's the last goalie to get drafted first overall I mean outside of that you really don't see goaltenders go in the first round unless they're really really highly touted mm-hmm. lastly uh Cole Gutman picks up his first NHL goal and he got the belt last night were you surprised Charlie all right, I got to have a talk with Andreas Athanasiu, my fellow Greek. Got to read the room, man. That might have been Patrick Kane's last Showtime performance at the United Center. Four points, a hat trick. And it was funny, too, because if you look at the video, when Andreas gives the, the belt to Cole Gutman, you could see like Colin Blackwell, Philip Kershev, I think it was Tyler Johnson. They're all, they all turned to Kane, Kane in, in, at Kane's, uh, where Kane is sitting in the locker room at the stall to see like, how is he reacting? Because at some point, Pat too, and James, like typically it, it goes to the young sung hero of the game. It's kind of, it's always like, Oh, uh, Kane, nice five point night, but Hey, we're going to go to the guy that made the block shot in the third <laughs> yeah. period. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I get it from that point, but that's at some point you got to give it to 88. Cause I can't imagine he's, he's had the belt many times this year. <laughs> not, not from a production standpoint, but because they haven't had wins to pass it, pass it along. Charlie's sitting here thinking to himself, oh, the puck with the tape on it and the writing is going to be sufficient for a first NHL goal. The kid doesn't need to win the belt tonight. You're such a curmudgeon, Charlie. Well, wait, like, like, come on, uh, man. Even Cole, Cole Gutman was asked after the game, too. Like, hey, you're stealing the spotlight from Patrick Kane. And he was like, no, no, no. He had a four point nine. Like, I think even Cole Gutman was probably like, I, I shouldn't be getting this belt right now. So, hey, a, a buddy of mine, I, I was talking to a buddy of mine via text today about this. And he said, 
don't you think Kane went up to Athanasiu and said, give it, give it to Gutman? I, I bet you, knowing the selfless person that 88 is, and, and we saw that on the empty net goal, too, at the end, uh, that maybe after being the number one star and all the things, he was probably just like, you know what? This kid had his first NHL goal. Give it to him. I'm not dismissing that as a possibility, but in dissecting the video, okay, Andreas oh, looks alone. at Patrick Kane kind of like, I gave it to Cole, not you. Kind of like, a, well, I mean, if he did, you, you know? better talk to him. You, you... <laughs> the, that, clearly, that, what this means is they anticipate Kane earning it again, and he's not leaving the Blackhawks. Breaking news. He's going to have five points. He's going to have five points against Vegas, and Cole is going to happily give that belt to Kane. <laughs> I mean, it, if that, I, I almost wish that was his last game at the United Center because it just would have been a great way to end it. Yeah. I, I, what? What are, you, what are you laughing about? The, the most, the craziest uh, tribute of all time. I think that would go down. Like when they write one goal for, I think that story would end up coming up. <laughs> <laughs> one goal for? <laughs> oh, man. oh, by the way, uh, Kyle Davidson will be on. Blackhawks pregame live on Tuesday. We'll be live from the United Center as we get ready for the Blackhawks and Golden Knights. So we will talk to Kyle about all the stuff we talk about on this podcast, trades mm. and whatnot. Look Big. at Pet Boyle with the tease. I love that when you do stuff like that, man. Makes me want, like, I want to be a better broadcaster because of you, man. <laughs> Big, Big well. up. It they, starts they, by putting your cat in another room. That's uh, <laughs> apparent. Well, you guys, I don't know if you guys saw it. The other cat walked in front of the camera too. So apparently they're just openly rebelling against me at this point. I saw it was a different color cat. It was not the same <laughs> tail. All right. That's a wrap on, on this edition of the Blackhawks talk podcast uh, for James Nouveau, Charlie Romelli Otis and James Athanasio and his belt selection. Uh, and uh, Claire behind the scenes who uh, broke away on her day off to, to keep this ship afloat. We thank her as always. And we thank you for listening. And don't forget to rate us. Don't forget to subscribe. And we'll catch you next time on the Blackhawks Talk Podcast. Some people just know there's a better way to do things, like bundling your home and auto insurance with Allstate, or hiring someone to move your piano instead of doing it yourself. So do things the better way. Bundle home and auto and save up to 25% with Allstate. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.